Hey, I'm Jesse. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Tomorrow, we'll see some of Paul's instructions for how women are called to serve in the context of the church. We're going to arrive at probably the most difficult verse to interpret in all of Paul's writings. But today's verse is verse 8, and it's very simple to understand. This is 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. So in this portion of text, his instructions to women get most of the press time because they're very controversial. But we often skip this verse. We neglect this verse. In verse 8, there are expectations for men to, in every place, says meaning all the congregations, not just where Timothy was pastoring, but this is throughout Scripture. I want all the men to pray, lifting up holy hands. This is where this comes from. This is a, this is a traditional posture of prayer. See Exodus 9.29. See 1 Kings 8.22. See Psalm 20, 28 verse 2. See Psalm 63 verse 4. See Isaiah chapter 1 verse 15. See Luke chapter 24 verse 50. The praying uh, the act of praying while lifting up what are called holy hands, this is, a, this is a biblical precedent. This is why people will lift their hands in church, uh, during songs, during prayer. It's not arbitrary. It is, it is quite beautifully biblical. And it's, it's something that is called for. This is what Paul, under the, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wants men to do everywhere. Therefore, meaning building upon what... Paul just said, defending his apostolic authority as one who's been called by God to reach the Gentiles, see Acts chapter 9, he is calling upon men in every church to lift up holy hands and to pray without anger or argument. Now that means that we're gonna, we got to get along, we got to collaborate well. It means we have to work well as a team, we have to function well. Now this is in the context of the, the pastoral epistles as they're called, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, those three books are called the pastoral epistles. These are the, the letters to my sons, is the title of the series that, uh, that we're giving here at, at the Redemption Church and, and JCM. This means that men who are leading in the churches are not arguing with each other. They're lifting up holy hands and they're praying. And they're doing this without anger or argument. They're called to do this. Uh, they're called, they're called to, to, to do this as leaders now, if the men in the church are lifting up holy hands and praying, they're not arguing with each other, then everything that follows is more likely to happen. Men, the pastoral epistles expect you to lead. So does the book of 1 Corinthians. So does the book of 1 Peter. So does the book of Ephesians. This is scriptural. This is God's expectation of you. So without arguing, lift up holy hands and you pray. Pray for your brides. Pray for your churches. Pray. Take up the mantle that God has given to you in leadership. If you don't, we've seen him through the story of Deborah, raise a woman up to take over and lead where you will not, men. They're perfectly capable of taking over and leading. Oftentimes, egalitarians will point to Deborah to make their case. When a, Deborah is the most literally militant complementarian in the history of the world. <laughs> She's a woman who spoke to Barack and says, it's to your shame that a woman did your job for you. Do you see that? So men, it begins with you and me, without argument, 
not in anger, lifting up our holy hands in prayer. We pray about this. We pray about this. Because if you and I don't do our jobs and lead well, the women will step up. You're going to see with patent obvious clarity in this text that God expects men to lead in the church. He just does. And when men argue about this and they abdicate their responsibility, this is what leads to historically, historically, a slippery slope away from the authority of Scripture. I mean, this is what happened within, this is what led originally to the, the Presbyterian Church of the United States of America. You've got two denominations, really. You have the PCA and the PCUSA. PCA is the one that's true to the Scriptures. PCUSA began with failing to adhere to this right here. When you begin to get away from gender roles within Scripture, what follows that is usually the first step, but then what follows that is any number of permutations of deviations away from Scripture from embracing, uh, from, from embracing a reversal of gender roles within the prescribed leader of the leadership of the church, what can follow thereafter would be, you know, uh, granting unbiblical permissiveness to, to sexual sin, and then embracing other ideologies, uh, approving of abortion and things like this, and then from there, like this way down the slippery slope we go until you end up becoming like the PCUSA. This almost happened within the Southern Baptists, and it almost happened within the PCA. And today it uh, almost happened within the United Methodist Church. It kind of did, arguably. When a denominational body steps away from this, when men fail to lead and they argue with each other, rather than just lifting up holy hands, praying, embracing our roles as leaders of our families and our churches, then here's what happens. The whole thing tanks. I literally served on staff at a church where the, the, the elder, the director of the elders came to, to confront me to say, like, I believe that if we start uh, embracing egalitarianism, then we're going to be able to reach more people. What he doesn't understand is that that's why the PCUSA was the fastest shrinking and the smallest denomination in the world. Why uh, when Southern Baptists broke over the issue of biblical inerrancy, those who were true to the scripture became the largest Protestant denomination in the world. Giving to, to global missions quintupled. Enrollment in seminaries skyrocketed. They're now the biggest missions organization in the world and all be began with this. Whereas those branches that deviated away from scripture shrank into oblivion. The same will prove true within the United Methodist Church. Those who have deviated away from Scripture, they're going to shrink into oblivion. Those who stay true to the Word of God are going to receive the blessings of the Holy Spirit of God. It happens every single time. I know this, even here, especially here, as we're trying to buy properties from what remains of the husks of the United Methodist Churches in our area, all five of the buildings that I have toured to try to buy for the Redemption Church have rainbow flags draped over their altar like an idol. But it begins here, men. It begins here. When you deviate away from what God tells us to do, the church will shrink. I don't care how politically unpopular it is. We choose to be true to the word of God even if that puts us perfectly at odds with the culture that is around us, because it is better to be true to God and forsaken by people than to forsake God and be true to people and then stand in judgment before God. So it begins here, men. Lift up holy hands. Pray. Don't argue about this. This is what God told us to do. We don't get angry about this either. It's simply what we are instructed to do.